the streaky all in it. I don't. I don't. I got some new overalls. I see them. How do you yes. like them? They're great. I love them. They're like when I uh, I've just been trashing all of my clothes because I like just get dressed in the morning and then go to the studio and then get paint all over my clothes. So mm-hmm. I I was thinking that I need like some workwear that I can just throw on that I like leave in the studio. So I got these and I've been following them on Instagram for like two years. It's like a women's owned workwear company. Yeah. For women and uh i've always wanted a pair of these i'm glad you got but them. i didn't have a reason to get one now you do now I i'm sure well i'm sure you always had a reason but it's like one of those things you have to come up with a good enough reason yeah yeah i mean it just felt them. like a yeah a splurge but they're definitely great i'm like, gonna live in them i like the color black yep I mean, why would you wear any other color, honestly? That's a good question. Because then when you block up, it doesn't look as special. Okay, well, maybe we should get into it. Yeah. So, on Pacifically, I think we're normally going to talk more about, like, local issues, but there is some, there are going to be things that are going on in the United States in general that I... I I think in the coming decade, there, a lot more top-down shit is going to be impacting us very locally. (laughs) The neoliberal empire is over. Federal decisions are now fucking up our daily lives. Yeah. And so the more that, (laughs) that like the federal government does things that are interfering with, like, right, sending federal agents into Portland and Chicago and, I mean, in Seattle too, however, fewer or whatever. Yeah, it's going to become more and more relevant. I, I'm not really keen on talking about Donald Trump so much because just like what else is there to say, you know? Yeah. Also to say that federal agents have been, you know, storming cities all across the country already. It's just they were coming for the Mexican families. So there wasn't yeah. much of an outcry. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, we're going to be talking about Well, this is specifically. Yeah, this is specifically. This is specifically. We're going to be talking about something a little bit more national, a little less local today, about the post office. And, um, I mean, I, I think, Corinne, you made this point that, like, people are paying attention now. And I, I kind of, I was thinking about that and, like... Paying attention to... Paying attention to the dismantling of the post office. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, and, like, people are kind of noticing it. Well, we just now. had a big weekend about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because I think I figured out where the disconnect was between, like, you were seeing a bunch of people talking about it, and I hadn't seen any normies talking about it at all. Okay. And 
then suddenly this like last weekend over the last like four or five days it's been like news articles coming out all the time about it and like it's because it's been like tied into the democratic platform the democrats are talking about it now because they're vilifying donald trump and it's like it just happened in a timeline situation that like that started ramping up up in the last couple of days i think yeah well the democrats finally wised up to the fact that like they're gonna lose the election if there's no fucking post office so like now they give a shit yeah even though Mm -hmm. in general like voter suppression and like losing the post office probably isn't like that big of a deal to them Right. Well, they do voter suppression a lot. Well, yeah. if they had any kind of strategy, then it would be. But they love to lose, so it's not. Uh, they do love to lose. Anyway, post office is what we're talking about. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, I think what I wanted to do today was like give a little bit of a history for people about like what the post office actually does for us, because I uh, just in reading like the top thing you hear people say about the post office is that like it's functioning in the red you know that they're losing money or whatever and they don't make a profit Uh. yeah it's just like this like bottom line like business jargon that they're not profitable blah 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 yeah sorry to like digress a little bit but like that's the way that we think of like every person place thing in american society you know, like, oh, if you're in the red as a organization, that means you need to go away. If you're in the red as, like, a human being, that means... You need to go away. You need to go away. It, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, if, if like, fucking national parks, human beings, the post office are losing money... Red like shirts the, from Star Trek. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's just, like, the most straightforward solution, then, is to, like take him down with an ak-47 i guess like no the reds are the ones using the ak-47s that's why they gotta go (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, which is like a fallacy too many bullets of capitalism you know it's like why i mean yeah why we got here because everyone's been saying that the most important Mm -hmm. fucking thing that's like the most tied to your intrinsic character is like profitability and I mean, if that's, like, your most exalted value, profitability, then you're going to stop seeing human rights organizations, like, natural wonders, human beings as, like, valid. Yeah. If they're not profitable. You know, and I I think the capitalist grift has really worked, right? Obviously, it's been really successful in, like, indoctrinating people into this idea that like you need to be profitable to be oh 100 percent. it's like radicalized people and turn them into terrorists yeah and <laughs> i mean like you can't even have a conversation i like this is like a universal experience you cannot have a conversation with your own parents for anyone about politics or whatever or the economy without some capitalist bullshit being spewed back at you right that like oh they're just not working hard enough like they need to just get a new job if something's not working in your life or whatever, and it's a universal thing. experience, experience, right? That we're all hearing this from all of our parents. I don't think it's unique that it's difficult for <laughs> for you two to talk to your parents about certain things, or for me to talk to my parents about it. And so, what I want to do is sort of like shed some light on like how important the post office has been and how f- actually functional it 
has been in the past. And, and, you know, like there's shortcomings that USPS has had. But I think that those are those shortcomings are like really indicative of like the priorities of the state. Right. Mm -hmm. The reason Mm -hmm. that those shortcomings are um, left alone and that our concern is on whether or not the post office is profitable is because actually like the shortcomings of the USPS are really benefiting like Republicans. Right. So they don't want to do anything about fixing the problems. They just want to create well, they, more problems. They created for the, US. the problems to begin with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to do. Let's talk about USPS and yeah. where it comes from and you know how it's different from other postal services in well, the world. <laughs> for going, you know, how different they are from a lot of current postal systems, you know, the important thing to note about the what our postal system is is it's really the same thing as a library it's taking something that was exclusively a privilege for the rich and collectivizing it and making it a public good mm-hmm. you know you go back to um xenophon and herodotus and they talk about how there was a very expansive postal network in the persian empire and that's where we get the quote that uh is that the rain, sleet, or snow quote? Yes, the rain, sleet, or snow. Snow, snow. Snow. Anyway. <laughs> rain, uh, sleet, or snow. Rain, sleet, or snow. It is said <laughs> that as many days as there are in the whole journey, so many are the men and horses that stand along the road. Each man and house an internal a interval of a day's journey, and these are stayed neither by snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor darkness, from accomplishing their task with all speed. And, you know, we think of that as a postal system, but it was, you know, an illiterate society. Mm-hmm. Not many people were using that postal system. And it was also a wing of the intelligence gathering service. Of Wait, what What did they use it for exactly? Passing messages. They had a... Like clay tablets or what? Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I do this not... Is, these are the Persians. These right? are the Persians. I do not know... If they're using cuneiform clay tablets specifically, however, that was one of the dominant writing methods and materials in the Persian Empire. Yeah, that's clay. what I thought. Yeah. It, it almost makes more sense for it to be like a telephone type system where people just like verbally relay messages, but I'd be curious to know. Anyway, I mean, that... if it was exclusive to like wealthy parties at the time, I mean, they could do whatever elaborate thing they wanted to. They could well, wealthy parties, or... but also, you know administering your massive empire yeah i mean i mean that seems like an important like a relevant distinction that like Mm -hmm. this postal service or this form of courier service was like for government use like official Mm -hmm. government business or empire business i guess yeah and and in societies in which the government was the wealthy families and feudalism then it was exclusively for the privileged to spread yeah. news amongst themselves. USPS is like for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the great distinction between it and all. From grandma to the Unabomber. Yeah. yeah. From all previous mail Even systems. Even the Unabomber. <laughs> um, so that was the idea with the USPS was we are going to democratize this process. And we uh, had to expand on all the postal roads and post networks that were left behind by British colonialism because there actually wasn't that much. Mm -hmm. And 
Ben Franklin being the first postmaster general who served out oh, I didn't know that. that position till he died. Yeah. Um, greatly expanded what the postal system in America was. And, you know, for a democracy that needs to be administered over a large area, that's very important because how do you receive news on who's running for president? except through the post office. Yeah, I was going to say, he probably knew something about distribution from like working in journalism. Mm -hmm. Actually, that was a bit of a crooked bit of his history, was he was administering the post office for the crown while he was working in the newspaper, which was very common because you wanted to be working in the newspaper and the post so you could be distributing your paper. I mean, Mm. a lot of the founding fathers did that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, who, th- who to judge for what was... Franklin, too. Last ones in history, though. No yeah. more crooked no activity more... after that. Nope. We've got it all backwards. Everyone now is really, really solid, trustworthy, and only the founding fathers lied. Yeah. That's it. That's the truth. Heard right is left and uh, believe what I tell you. Uh, the moon is just read. the sun at night. It just turned around. Yep. It's, well, it's like <laughs> literally the light from the sun, though. Well, yeah. Yeah, but it's, but it's shining through from the dark side of the moon. That's yeah. why you never see a dark side of the moon because it's just the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh. So when, when in so it was, <laughs> this is a bad question. I was gonna ask a. Uh, like when the post office was founded, what year was that? It was like, was it before the United States was a country? Um, our postal system is effectively the exact same as our government. We had an existing system that more or less just turned into the what the United States had. We oh, had, so we had like a British system. Yeah, we had the British postal system, which, you know, was largely just for the rich people. And then we took that system and expanded on it into our current system. Okay, all right. You know, the Continental Congress just turned into our actual Congress. And the Continental Congress was just the elected bodies that governed the colonies. Anyway. Then what happened? Then what happened is effectively a few good years of the post office just doing its thing. And then it increases importance due to the Civil War. For a few reasons. One is it's the first time that we ever invented uh, vote by mail because soldiers had to vote, be able to vote from fighting on campaign. Is that oh, that's really interesting. on the Confederate side? or the No, Union specifically. Union okay. um, the reason being was they were afraid about losing Republican seats since all those soldiers were away fighting and Democrats didn't volunteer to go fight. So they want to make sure all the Republican voter base that went away. Dems strike vote. again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. No, they totally were. Um, and then also, this is the first time that the entire country is like, you know, when you go to the post office, you're going to try to get letters from home. You also go to the post office to see who's died. And this is the first time that the United States Post Office starts experimenting with delivering mail. It used to be, you know... With faking your own death. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you want to receive a letter, you had to go to the post office and pick it up. Mm -hmm. 
And now they're like, we have too many people coming to the post office every day. So we actually have to just try to take it to you, take it to you. They did that with cities first and then eventually moved on to uh, doing right. it in the, the rural areas as well. Rural areas are always last. Yes, in they supply are. Chains. Yeah. Some uh, never even got that service, which we will touch on later. Yeah, we will mm-hmm. touch on that later. But uh, so the USPS continues after that being just a golden service and the Pony Express, you know, effectively tries to provide an alternative service and it just fails. Which is so that was a private initiative? It was a private initiative. Not related to USPS? No, it was not. Okay. Which is one of the interesting things about the USPS is that for... It's such a cute idea. Great marketing. The Pony (laughs) Express? Yeah, it's still standing 150 (laughs) years later. Um, Is for whatever reason, the USPS is the only uh, entity that has ever actually been able to make a profit providing mail to everybody. Uh, Well... Okay, I mean, there's some private mail carriers now that will now, a but, but yeah, but even, at the time, yeah, but UPS has been around for uh, 125 years. Oh. Well, that's what the key word is. Everybody, they don't provide mail to everybody oh, because gotcha. providing mail to everybody isn't profitable. Okay. Well, and, all right. Can you? Well, I'll let you go on. I mean, I don't know what you mean by they don't provide mail to everybody. But. I mean, UPS just doesn't deliver everywhere. And neither does uh, USPS, yeah. technically. But the USPS is mandated by law. To that, make it to the post office. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just a thing where we talk about how there are these private mail carriers now. But even those private mail carriers, in many respects, are in some way dependent on the USPS mm-hmm. to deliver where they can't. Okay. Or won't. All right. Anyway, so the post office then increases importance again at the turn of the century. In 1910, it became the largest bank in the United States. You could deposit up to $500, transfer money, uh, cash checks, uh, and, you know, do basically everything you could in a bank. And it was just the largest savings bank in the United States. And then in 1912, it started Parcel posting so you could mail package instead of just letters and that you know that really took off Mm -hmm. there's a guy that mailed an entire bank through the post brick by brick what yeah just like he just sent all of his building materials one building material at a time through the post office yeah wow and that was the whole thing. Like, Wait, really you mean like a gold bullion brick or like no just actual ceramic bricks that sounds like a performance art or something. Yeah. Shit. That's what it effectively was, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's really this weird. was blowing people's <laughs> minds, you know. I mean, yeah, if it's like the first time this has ever really happened, you just want to see what you can do with it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I read there was another story about how, like, at when uh, USPS picked up parcel shipping, like, somebody sent a letter to the postmaster general asking like how to safely and effectively pack a baby because wow. it was the most reliable way wow. to get a person through. No, it was that was another thing is it was cheaper to send lives just anything actually alive through the post office than it was the normal ways you would send them. Yeah. What? <laughs> 
I just people are weird. <laughs> people are weird. <laughs> so, so, especially before the internet. Oh my god. They like I, I mean without yeah. Wikipedia yeah. I'd be like dumb as rocks and like <laughs> nobody had it. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking about like I mean like I know that the rules are like a lot more strict on what you can send through the mail now. So like you can't like send like human feces or whatever. If you if you're gonna do it, which people on fetish sites do, um you have to do it like in like real secret, right? You have to like seal it up so tight that the post office will never find out that there was a turd in there or whatever. Yeah, well, but and- like back in the day, they didn't the regular. You could send a whole entire building brick by brick through the mail, apparently. So like, I'm sure they were sending weird ass fucking hair dolls and which to point like drugs. Yeah, we are we. It, this country, not us specifically, but Americans are very critical of the post office. Yeah. They can't complain about it constantly. But at one point, it was reliable enough to mail children and <laughs> buildings. It was reliable enough to send kids, whole <laughs> buildings, train cars, you name it. Exactly. <laughs> The post office was great, still is great, but Another it was receiving. Thing to note is that it, uh, at that time, 1912, like everything would have still been going around the country by train. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. uh, rail uh, delivery services in like the 21st century are so unreliable that like a lot of people outright refuse to use them. Mm-hmm. But that's, Part, like, a whole other thing. I mean, like, so, I mean, yes, there is something to say for, like, technological advances, right? Like, we have cars or whatever and airplanes, so maybe trains aren't, like, the most efficient. I mean, except to, they are. Yeah. Except they're I mean, not they, they, they are, but, but they're, not, they're not profitable the way that, like, a company like Boeing is profitable where, like, a company making train cars and stuff. Yeah, but I'm just trying to say that, like, it would be if the oil and gas industry hadn't dismantled all of the rail infrastructure in the U.S. Oh, totally. No, I'm just saying I'm agreeing with you furthering that. That's my point, too, is that, like, it's not profitable to the capitalists to continue to use the trains. So they're, like, (laughs) divesting from using a functional system that was working really well. Yeah, right. Right? Totally. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty bad now. Well, things have gotten pretty bad. Joe Biden loves Amtrak and ice cream, so we'll Mm. have lots of trains and the other thing. Lots of trains, lots of ice cream. But the USPS has always been, you know, a crucial part of the American democratic experience. Because without it, you just couldn't have a functioning democracy on the scale that we had. And also, people couldn't be in contact with each other. And then eventually, it provided more services that made it even more crucial and important to American life. And, you know, that continued all the way through the New Deal, obviously. But... Then we hit the modern neoliberal uh, world order with the Democrats and the Republicans. And in 2006, under George Bush, they passed the Postal Act, which made the post office doing its job a lot harder. For one, it meant it had to pay its retirement in advance. Wait, wasn't... Yes. Wasn't Obama in office in 2006? No, he was. He would have been in office January 2009, would have been okay. when he was Sorry. inaugurated. my bad. Yeah. That's all right. Um, so that's why the post office appears to be 
non-profitable now because it has to pay out all this money that ignore that just no other you know solvent business usually pays out mm-hmm. and if that law was repealed it would be you know in the black so to speak uh it also makes Wait, it can you repeat that the what law? The 2006 Postal Act. Okay, so what did it do? For the one of the main things it did was it made it so the post office had to. Uh, when it, like before pay, hiring new people, have the money for their pensions, right? Pretty like, much, yeah. Your estimated number of employees or whatever that you're supposed to have, you need to have their pensions paid for, pension and retirement or whatever in advance. In advance. Oh my gosh, that's so stupid. Yeah, and so no, I guess like we'll require that for the postal service, but like not have any social security for anyone. Correct. <laughs> and require that. Give me po- a fucking break. Oh, something that literally no other business ever, ever needs, yeah. ever needs, or would ever choose to or would do ever have, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Because and you don't even know necessarily if that estimated employment number is accurate, right? So like. Y- you might need way yeah, fewer I, employees. Yeah, it's like just, just like, like so. Just imagine all the ways that it's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In an endless number of ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> count the ways. Yeah. So another thing that this act Daddy, did hi. was that it made sort of screwed with the uh, 1970 Postal Reorganization Act, which was an act signed by Nixon. Uh, before that. The post office was an arm of the presidency. It was part of his cabinet. And mm-hmm. he like he chose who the postmaster general was, and if anything about the post office needed to change, it needed an actual act of Congress to do it. So this act made it a effectively a separate corp- corporation that was still a government body, but was now independent of Congress and the president to an extent. And they could organize with their own... Employees, they could make their own decisions. The post office was now free to run itself as a business. Mm-hmm. And the what two- year was this? Uh, 1970. Okay. Nixon did this, right? Yeah, Nixon did okay. this. And this Postal Act made it so the post office is no longer able to act as independently as it once did. For example, it's forced to pay its pensions ahead of time. But... But that was 2006. Do yeah. you have any examples of... Something this- else that it does is it's harder for the post office to innovate. It is no longer allowed to do anything that doesn't expressly have to do with mail. So it's not able to actually do anything online. And it has to now... Congress now has the ability to just overview whatever the USPS is doing and tell it, no, you can't do that. Okay. Which I mean, they're kind of. I mean, the Democrats are kind of using that to their political advantage right now. Too, they are. They've just sent watchdogs in or whatever because of a bunch of restructuring going on in this. You know, time when the entirety of the USPS's uh, fleet of vehicles is outdated, and the internet is something that they have no presence on because they're not legally permitted to have a presence on it because of this act this is specifically what's killing the post office do you guys remember those like um like paper to email services 
Yeah, the USPS had one of them. Really? Yeah, they were one of the you know first people to experiment with it, and did it, it get shut down? Uh, I think it was more just that it didn't take off. Uh huh. Could you tell me more about that? I don't know what that is. So, like in the early two thousands, at the beginning of the internet, there was all these like independent businesses popping up where you would like get your they would like intercept your mail and then digitize it. Oh. And then you would get emails instead from oh. this, like, service or whatever. Oh. Like, there used to be one um, right next to Trinity Nightclub in Pioneer Square. I think I know what you're talking about. I was just too young, I think, to realize what was going on. That that was, like, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how they worked. Anyway, continue. Well, you know, that covers the bulk of the USPS history. Except that there is... um. There is a act in Congress now that is the USPS Fairness Act, which the Democrats passed the House and now Mitch McConnell is refusing to do anything with. That would more or less try to repeal the Postal Act from 2006. Uh, yeah, and it's like totally political. I personally mm-hmm. don't think the Democrats give a shit, sh- one shit, left or right, how well the post office is doing. I don't think I mean, I think they care insofar as it usually care. Yeah, like concerns their votes, but Yeah. Um I guess my point is is that I think that it was actually like working fine for them that you know, like in two thousand eight it like worked fine and two thousand twelve it worked fine. Oh yeah. It's been like and like now dismantled for now fifteen years at this point and yeah, now it might not be fine because Donald Trump and they're like might oh, be no. doing something. Didn't even see it coming. Oh, how how could I have predicted this thing that was set rolling sixteen years ago or fourteen years ago or whatever? Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, since nineteen seventy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think though that really the last thing to top off the history bit is a lot of people think that the post office is no longer relevant to the internet. But the post office provides, you know, a very tangible service that can persist whether or not you have internet. And parcels are shipped to the post office. And I don't, you know, sure you order your parcels online. They do not come through the web. I mean, we need a lot of goods through the postal service. Like medications like elderly people are getting medications Um, pension checks veterans are getting money through the postal service we can just balto them to people you know like get some sled dogs (laughs) more dogs yeah sled them out to i don't know rural kentucky where there's no snow okay well Uh, usps did used to more shit to say about rural areas but do you want to go first uh i was just gonna say about like the internet replacing usps i just think that that's just like it's just an insane notion because like the internet exists digitally virtually like the internet has no infrastructure for like getting your packages from point a to point b the internet is a conduit for for mail services to interact with you you know what i mean like the internet will never be able to replace a postal service 
or even a privatized postal service because there is no infrastructure. It's just a storefront, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't replace the need for the, you know, you click the button, you put the thing in your cart. Well, the cart that you're putting your item into isn't real and it's not going to be wheeled to you. It's actually a guy in a warehouse putting that item in a box and then taking that box to the post office or to their shipping department and it getting shipped to you using the infrastructure that exists because of the USPS. Like, the internet can't replace it because it's a completely separate... I think that's, like, like people are so disconnected from, like, supply chains and, like, the labor that goes into, like, getting your Amazon package to you or whatever, sure. right? they think that the U- USPS is just for, like, Christmas cards and shit. Yeah, and they think that... It's, like, totally old news, irrelevant, but actually, like, Amazon cannot send packages to anyone without USPS. Okay, well, I'm going to talk now, because that that kind of, like, uh, leads into what I did some of my research on. Um, So, like, presumably, if uh, USPS goes away, what is going to end up happening is that these private services are going to, like, take over the responsibilities of USPS. So I thought it might be helpful to, like, know a little bit about those. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, there are a lot of parallels between UPS and FedEx, and I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about FedEx because um, the narrative is just, like, a little bit easier to tackle. They've only had one um, CEO, uh, and, well, I... Yeah, I'm assuming he's been CEO the whole time. The current CEO was the founder as well. Um, And there are a lot of parallels. Um, Like, the CEO kind of gets paid the same amount. Um, There's fewer unions in FedEx than there are in UPS. Um, And FedEx has spent a little bit more money on union busting. But uh, either way, like... um, they're, they're pretty similar entities. Um, so the CEO, uh, majority shareholder of FedEx is Fred Smith, um, who's a billionaire. His net worth is uh, $4.3 billion. This guy is actually like um, kind of a conservative poster child. Um, there was a lot of... Uh, just like dumb shit blog opinion pieces that I saw online um, from back in 2016, like speculating that he would be a really good pick for VP. Um, oh. <laughs> the, uh, he's kind of like, he's a Republican and has like historically supported more quote unquote moderate conservatives, whatever the fuck that means. I mean, he's had a, a beef with some like uh, Donald Trump policies because he doesn't like the tariffs. It affects his business negatively. But um, let's go way back. Uh, the guy, he's a Vietnam veteran, a decorated veteran actually. He got two Purple Hearts and a Congressional Medal of Honor um, for his service in Vietnam. And um, Do you know what service? Uh... I have written it down, but I don't remember. I mean, I, like, I guess my it, it says birthday today, actually. August oh, happy 11th. birthday! Happy birthday, billionaire. I'm sure your head will taste we'll delicious on my plate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of... I thought that 
that stuff's important to include insofar as it kind of um, like creates context for why he's like a good conservative like figurehead but um, at the same time I don't really give a shit if you like served in the military mm-hmm. if you if you're a billionaire you know I, and I like frankly I don't really think that the American people dignify people that have served in the military <laughs> broadly unless it supports their political leanings you know like let's maybe like celebrate this veteran a little bit less for being decorated and do a little bit more for like all of the homeless veterans that are on the street everywhere right Mm -hmm. now. Um, But anyway, moving on. Um, He went to Princeton and uh, he kind of got the idea. Oh, maybe it was the Air Force. I think he was a pilot or some shit like that. But um, he got the idea that like you could do parcel service delivery, um, taking up freight space on aircrafts that were traveling at night. Because most of the aircrafts were empty at night and they were, um, you know, just like moving around between points um, Mm -hmm. to get to where they were needed for service. So so we had this idea to like do a parcel service through that. And in 1971, um, he... uh, Let's see. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Uh, He raised 91 million in... Uh, capital to make this idea happen um and the first 91 million dollars yeah in 1971 wow. i mean i didn't i didn't but it's <laughs> a lot of money he sounds got his, like he had connections before yeah he i was sorry just to start this job i was gonna say that too so like um he was also i he was like a captain or some shit don't quote me on this you know but he was like not an underling in the military, yeah. you know. And he went to Yale, so he had connections at Yale. So Princeton. Princeton? Did you, you say Princeton, Princeton earlier? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, some shit. Are those different schools? Yeah. <laughs> um Um somebody needs you to know <laughs> <laughs> that those are different schools. <laughs> Long story short, he was Ivy League educated. He went to Hogwarts and made a bunch of <laughs> rich friends and they gave him 91 million dollars to start his business so he was a slytherin i don't yeah whatever yeah he was a slytherin those are the real a a griffin lynn (laughs) raven puff okay um griffalin uh but in the first uh the, the this dude's story is like crazy so like um the business has been up and down a million times and like almost been been close to like collapsing in on itself. This um, is FedEx? A couple different points in history. Yes, correct. Okay. Um so the first 26 months, uh he took 29 million dollars in losses. So the guy's like this incredible success story and there's this one side of him that you can paint that is like oh, he's a war hero, you know, decorated war hero, self-made billionaire most long-running successful company in history but the flip side of it is is like he went to an ivy league school got almost a hundred million dollars in startup in the 1970s and for the first two plus years of his business being open 
lost millions of dollars. Right. Which is like a, a luxury that is like unique in to a certain class of people in this country. Right. right. The dude, well, also his whole business model is effectively hitchhiking. Yeah. Just yeah, put yeah. Parcels yeah. on stuff that's already going. Someplace. Also, I mean, like thinking about it even further than that too, is that like any other shipments that like shipping that was happening outside of using already flying planes right is probably infrastructure created by usps right you're taking it to the post office and using the and, post and using yeah and like it's just like an entire system built on using other systems that are pre-existing well and fedex also, has its own delivery yeah trucks and locations now but anyway so um but uh, and they have their own freighters as well. But in the beginning, yeah, I think that they were just renting space. You yeah. Know? Um, but uh, the, the dude, like, I don't know, it's, like, really extraordinary. Like, at, at one point, uh, FedEx had, like, a ton of debt. And so he went to Vegas and he, like, won <laughs> $27,000 on a jackpot and, like, saved the company. <laughs> With this, Man. like, Vegas money. That like, sounds <laughs> sketchy as fuck. Yeah, it really yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Um, he knew someone. He's like, hey, man, can I just get an illegal loan from you? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the only way we're going to do this without taxes is if, if you I... win it yeah, at my casino. If, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so then they had a really rough time in March, as everyone did, because uh, a lot of shit COVID. was shut down. And... Um, he was like, I'm going to take a 91% pay cut uh, for the next six months to deal with COVID. Again, on surface level, sounds like this is fucking nice thing to do, right? Yeah, but, well, I mean, that six months well, is pretty nice. much you over got now, right? $4.3 million in the billion in the bank. Yeah, and here's the other thing is like his regular monthly salary is $115,402 per month. Per month. So that's reduced for six months to $10,728. Wow. The dude's like 70 years so old So generous. Well. So like, it's not like... What an incredibly generous soul. Okay, okay. So I think that that puts like his annual salary around like uh, 1.3 million, quick math. But his total uh, compensation last year, including salary, was 15 million uh nine hundred and sixty one thousand nine hundred and seventy four dollars which uh not including any capital gains because he probably owns a lot of yeah so that that puts him about a million ahead of what the uh ceo of ups made last year um so they're kind of like in a similar boat uh just just for context because i thought that this would be interesting for the uh ups um usps comparison um with the salary that UPS or uh, FedEx pays their CEOs, um, it's enough to pay 55 postmaster generals. So, like, people have this idea that it's, like, a better plan for us to use, like, private industry, um, you know, as opposed to, like, public services. But if we replace UPS... Um, like what or if we replace USPS rather with FedEx and UPS um you know it's going to cost you more it's going to cost yeah. 55 additional postmaster generals so it's, it's going like, to cost it's going to cost the consumer more and it's going to 
cost the workers that work for these businesses more, right? Because uh, presumably if the USPS was privatized, the workers at who work for the post office would get incredible pay cuts. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a reason that, like, the CEO of FedEx gets paid 50 times... 55 times more than the postmaster general and it's like bus unions it's because he takes the cash out of your pocket Mm -hmm. like i mean if you just do like a quick comparison between parcel services for fedex and usps i mean it's like the proof is right there and also like as you mentioned earlier Coulter, there are restrictions on where these private services will go to. So they don't even necessarily service everyone and cost everyone more. Um, so then I'll, I'll get to the union busting. Um, the both, I found like a list of um, expenses from major corporations to consultants that do uh, work on us- union busting specifically. Um, Gross. Amongst like private companies and FedEx spent um, $837,000 on union busting consultants between 2014 and 2018. And I found multiple accounts of um, Teamsters and like people who uh, were working to get their warehouses union affiliated, um, getting fired and then getting later settlements um, for getting fired. So, uh, FedEx is just like paying people out to shut up about it and intimidate all of the rest of their workers into not um, unionizing. Uh, so they've been pretty effective at it. I, I think that FedEx and UPS still have a couple of unions associated with them, um, like Teamsters Union. Uh, there's like people who work for both of those organizations that are also Teamsters. And then I think like the FedEx uh, pilots are unionized, but um, they're, it's not, there's no central union organization. Um, I think that the postal workers at the USPS are fully unionized. Yes. I uh, I didn't look into it more. I'm just going I, there's off There's multiple of, unions for, yeah. with USPS. Yeah. 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 Um, the USPS was so big that they never had any one union. And that's part that of why sense. Nixon separated it from Congress was because in order to negotiate with their multiple unions that would all be striking at different times, they always had to pass any of those negotiations through Congress. And it was slowing stuff down yeah. too much. And they just needed to make it so UPS could negotiate directly with its own workers. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to cover uh, UPS really quick. Uh, they're, they're, the previous CEO was uh, David P. Aubrey. And um, he made $15,060,000 last year in total compensation. But he retired just a few months ago. And uh, the new CEO is this woman... Um, Carol B. Tomei, um, and she was a little bit harder to find information on, but um, she was with Home Depot for like 30 years. God, the Home Depot network. Yeah. Everyone's been with Home Depot. I'm saying this without having any names to cite, but like... I like when I was living in Georgia. It was like Port Lowe's. They have a black CEO, by the way. Former former CEOs and executives at Home Depot are like everywhere. They're everywhere. They won't go away. 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems... Our dad seemed, hates Home Depot. The Home Depot kind of seems like the um, like upper tier exec, like, Illuminati... Yeah, kind of. like, book club thing. Like, like that's where they all meet Yeah, they all meet... Shit. Well, the Home Depot just has the biggest meeting locations, you know? They can meet in a warehouse. All, <laughs> all 300 of them or whatever. A okay. warehouse filled with stuff. Anyway, yeah. this person, it was like harder for me to track down her uh, net worth, but she was C C O O and C yeah C O O of um, Home Depot for years and years, and is one of the people who's credited uh, for like quadrupling their number of locations. Um, mm. So you know, I don't think that she's like some you know, like working class self-made person either. Probably um, not. Uh, so that that's kind of like most of the information that I got on those two organizations. Um, and, you know, it's like the, the main takeaway being like these fucking people aren't here to help you out. We're not going to get better service from them than we do from public employees. And, uh, Second point being, like, they're, it's like, they're just trying to charge you more for less, um, which looks like they're going to get away with it if UPS, USPS dissolves. Well, um, you know, from their perspective, it's like, oh, man, there's this really, really just a service that nobody's making any money off of. Isn't that just a shame? Wouldn't it be great if you could take that thing that everyone's getting for free and make money off of it? Okay, but here, here's like the... We're not even getting it for free. We have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, we pay for <laughs> effectively the cost of service. We don't pay for anyone. Yeah, and isn't that a great thing? It. I mean, I know obviously you're being facetious, but still, I just like to revel in the, the one time when I buy a stamp, I'm like paying for a service and it's like at cost and like I'm getting what I paid for and the people who are working are like being paid for the labor that... You know, it's just like the one thing I can purchase that I don't feel like absolutely horrible about purchasing yeah, is I a mean, stamp. It's like <laughs> and 30 cool. bucks to two day, uh, you know, document packet to the East Coast from Seattle. Yeah. You know, on with FedEx. It's like you just buy a fucking stamp if you do it with the post office. And sometimes it takes two days longer, but it's not like an inefficient service. Um, but, but the other thing that I really wanted to talk about um, as, as it relates to these private organizations taking over the functions of USPS is that um, we already, like, uh, the Postal Service has had some shortcomings in recent years with the rise of voter ID laws. Mm-hmm. Um, like, specifically, because I don't think that this is getting quite as much attention as some of the voter ID problems in the South. Um North Dakota uh, has a huge native population. Um, 5% of the population in North Dakota is native. And That's uh, comparing nationally. I think it's like they're like 1.6% of the population that's, nationally. Yeah, it's below 2%. Yeah. Um, I actually, but, I have it written down somewhere. Uh, 1.7%. Oh, yeah. wow. Look at you with the notes. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Anyway, like, for those who aren't familiar with reservation life, um, since, like, reservations are sovereign, you don't have a U.S. address. So, like, the way that uh, Native populations are 
able to like interface with democracy and with like the supply chain in the United States is through post offices. Um, like having a post office box is the way that people register to vote typically. Um, and, uh, you know, these voter ID laws are requiring people to have street addresses in North Dakota. And, um, there was a huge population that was not able to participate in the 2016 election in North Dakota because of this law. So there's 580,000 eligible voters in North Dakota and, uh, 70,000 of them lacked the correct type of ID to vote in 2016. Um, and like uh, part of the voter ID law was they were not taking tribal IDs. A lot of tribes have. Um, Are you kidding me? Yeah, they they have their own like Jesus issued Christ. IDs. So uh, it was like federally issued um, or state issued IDs only, which took most of the native population out. Um, so already we have this problem of. Uh, voter suppression happening when people have a post office box. Um, But uh, about like the native population's relationship to the post office, like reservations are incredibly um, poor places most of the time. Um, Obviously, like there's some exceptions, but in North Dakota uh, at the Standing Rock Reservation, like 28% of the population is below the poverty level. Uh, Nationwide native reservations are in the bottom 25% in income um, for like the median household income for US citizens. And the per capita income at Standing Rock um, is $16,000. So like these people don't make any money. And um, there's lack of access to like drugstores, medical clinics, um, and everyone gets their medications through the post office. Um, I'm, that's also, I kind of mentioned earlier when Coulter was uh, saying his piece that like a lot of veterans checks come through the post office, mm-hmm. social security checks come through the post office. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of these people, they can't, um afford to drive um and one of the stories that i was looking at um they're talking about shutting these post offices down in north dakota and i'm just focusing on north dakota specifically because this is where historically there's been voter suppression around like uh addresses and ids and i mean it's a particularly large native population so that's like a clear indicator of why right yeah and it's just a sample for like how people are in who are disenfranchised who are in other places like appalachia or you know like rural washington are going to be affected too right Um, yeah but or black communities in the south right uh so around um north dakota 11 of the post offices that they're talking about closing are either on reservations or the uh, primary postal hubs for the reservation. Um, There was one example in particular where uh, the next closest post office was over 30 miles away. And um, this post office that they were talking about closing had 
was servicing 600 PO boxes and the next closest post office, the one that was over 30 miles away, only had three available post office boxes. So if they close this post office on the reservation, there's going to be 600 families who will no longer have a post office box and have to drive 30 plus miles to another post office if they can get a box, which it sounds like there's only three boxes available. So shutting down this post office means that there's only going to be three boxes for an entire native reservation of 600 families. And all of these people are dependent on the post office to get what they need Mm -hmm. to survive. Um, Yeah, not just for voting. Yeah, right, right. So it's like, given that this population already didn't vote in 2016, it's pretty safe to assume that they will not be voting in the future if they have no post office. Additionally, they won't be getting any of their medications. They won't be getting any of their correspondence. They won't be getting any of their uh, government support checks. And, like, they're going to have to travel rely on one another for travel outside of town to like get those services met which like if you make sixteen thousand dollars a year like you don't have resources no and also like the covid19 outbreak has like shut down reservations across the country because there's like not good medical infrastructure or any kind of like significant infrastructure and a lot of reservations yeah although like navajo nation uh, has done a really great job shutting down COVID. i don't know you guys yeah i was that's i think i was it just now thinking of you should example of like research on it if you guys have the chance vietnam's also doing a great job with COVID. yeah props to vietnam we lost that war it makes my dad really mad. But we only hear about New Zealand because, like, I guess when white people deal with COVID well, it's more impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, the hobbits just shutting down. The hobbits just have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I guess my point about the COVID-19 is that, like, having to... Now it's like it's putting these people at even higher risk, right? Because they have to travel outside of their community into, you know, American cities or whatever. Oh, yeah, Not totally. the same as a reservation. And traveling outside of their community into another community that, as has been proven all across the country, Americans just don't care about COVID. And so it's Yeah, like, well, another community that has been, like... Uh, a hostile aggressor to the point of genocide for over 450 years. You know? Yeah. I kind of think that we like owe it to the native community to give them a fucking post office so that they can just like get their medications in their homes. <laughs> but so, you know, that's just my opinion. I, the talking about, but we were talking about um, like how the post office has failed like native communities. Yeah. And how, uh, in general, I mean, like, the United States has failed Native communities on so many levels, and other, um, like, the Black community and Hispanic community. Yeah, well, in the notes that I was making, they're, they're applicable to all rural communities, right? Yeah. Like, the post office doesn't... When we were kids, the post office didn't deliver to our house. Um, it's literally two blocks away. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people in rural, which might be part of the reason why conservatives 
don't give a shit about the post office going away. You know, because if you like are conservative, you live in a rural area, the post office doesn't come to your house anyway, you know. Yeah. You're like, I don't give a shit. They make my life hard. Like I have to travel to get my mail. Yeah, and I think it's uh important to note that there's like actually like a positive relationship that Americans have had with the post office too, right? Like I I personally anecdotally have a really positive relationship with the post office because my surrogate mom growing up was um had worked for the post office for almost 20 years and like she was able to raise two kids by herself working at the post office and it like working for the post office because she was guaranteed a pension like was like created intergeneral intergenerational wealth for her and her family right like she Unfortunately, she had a stroke and all of her retirement and all of that money went into paying for her medical bills and stuff. But had that stroke not happened and had she been able to retire with the post office. Such a fucked up caveat. Right. But had she been able to do all of this, actually, like, money would have been left over to be given to her children. And she had no intergenerational wealth, right? Like, nothing inherited from her parents. And, uh... (laughs) One thing that I thought this was just anecdotal information and I just happened to know like all of the non-white people who worked at the post office because all of um, Becky's friends were non-white and she, uh, this really good friend of hers, I think her name was Carol. They'd like go to Reno together and like go gambling. The post office is 20% black employees. Yeah. So the post office is, is, is like actually the, I'm pretty sure it's the most diverse a federal and half agency. a million people work there. I mean, it's yeah. like if you care about jobs, then keep the post office around. <laughs> and it's a right 20%, 21% of their employees are African American, which is I think I think it's 13% of the national population well, is black. black. Yeah. Yeah, is I mean it says African American on the website so that's what i wrote because they're like not with yeah. it yeah because <laughs> it's the post office yeah um but then additionally uh eight percent of the post office is, is hispanic to the 16 percent national population and uh the post office has been featured in it's called uh it's a like hispanic business magazine okay this is like a total side thing sorry sure. to that's digress me. but like these statistics are completely meaningless. Uh, like a, a Spanish-speaking person who's like intergenerationally white is like not the same thing as a Spanish-speaking person that has like indigenous blood. Just like an African American person is like they mean black people, but like African American is not specifically black. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, the the way that they do demographic studies is, like, just these random signifiers that, like, don't actually represent... Yeah, and I mean, those numbers, like, the national population numbers aren't accurate either because people don't necessarily answer census questions, honestly, right? And the last time we did a census was 10 years ago. I mean, I don't know. I don't know Um, about any of that. It just, like, annoys me that, like... uh, Well, the, the point of all of this is just to say that, like, the the post office because it has like a pension plan and it's like one of the last existing like places to work that still has pensions is that like 
it has the most non-white people working for it out of any other government body, right? And it's like 40% female, which is also incredible for government bodies. And it is a huge opportunity for people of color to like create intergenerational wealth, right? Like a pension plan is something we just don't have anymore at any job. And it, it happens to be one of the things that's like, causing the post office to fall apart or like be considered on like not profitable or whatever yeah even though fedex and ups don't have fucking pension plans yeah and so it's like this thing that like this imperfect organization that has like such potential to be like a force for good right it it makes me so mad where are all these like (laughs) back the blue motherfuckers about the post office yeah you can have way more services at a fraction of the cost Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just without killing people we could be expanding the post office the post office could be the largest bank in america again yeah there's like imagine how great it would be to go to your fucking local post office and not have to put up with all the shit you normally put out at a private bank. Well, and you can get money orders from the post office still, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're still yeah. still used for money orders and stuff. And it's just, like, incredibly sad to me that, like, the reason that improvements aren't made on the post office is because, like I said before, the shortcomings of the post office directly benefit the people in power, right? It's so, like, Native people aren't going to vote Republican. Probably not. I mean, I don't know. They're not a monolith. But, like, these minority communities generally don't vote Republican. So it's in the Republicans' interest yeah, to not Yeah, all voter reform. suppression laws are, like, Republican yeah. rules. And, I mean, like, actually, I mean, like, the Democrats like it when, like, rural voters can't vote because they're conservative I'm or like, whatever. Yeah, but. I'm not even gonna, I mean, it's just... I don't even think it's fair to, like, address any transgressions the Democrats have made in this conversation because, like, gerrymandering and I voter just think suppression they has been, like, so rampant amongst, like, conservatives for the yeah. last 30 years. Like, they're the issue. So let's not yeah. confuse it because, no. like, this is, like, one well, that's the, area it's, where... It's, well, like it's an a act- false equivalency to say they're both doing something wrong. Yeah, We right. can still call out the Democrats for letting the USPS... It's an active versus versus passive relationship with yeah. with voter suppression, right? Because the Democrats could be doing something about it too, and they just don't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, they also do it themselves when it's convenient for them. Yeah, when it works out for them, when it's you know, we saw it during the Bernie campaign. They were shutting down all types of polling places. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add, too, that, like, the post office is, like, so important for, like, small businesses and small artists. Oh, yeah, that's totally. Like, we know so many, like, artisans and artists that are, they run their own businesses and are are entirely dependent on affordable postage in order to live. Like, it's going to take a huge amount of money away from them to have postage go up. Anyways, Corinne, would you like to tell us about some things we can do to um, help help out yeah. in preserving the post office? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, this, like, quote-unquote deficit that the post office is dealing with right now, um, you know, they, they, like, are asking for bailout money, but they won't need it if enough people buy stamps. So, you can buy stamps. 
Um, the other thing you can do is text uh, ResistBot. Uh, for any of you guys that don't have ResistBot on your phone, um, the number is 50409, and a whole bunch of like really helpful stuff can come through um, this like particular number. Um, but what was the number again? It's 50409, and all you have to do is text USPS to this number. So text USPS to 50409. Um, it will identify who you are and send a letter to your representative immediately. It takes like actually 20 seconds. It's so fast. So like every person do that wow. if you haven't already done it. And What a um, helpful tool. Yeah, it's a really helpful tool. Like sometimes it will um, let you know if there are like uh, demonstrations happening in your area um, and when there's like legislative stuff that comes up that you want to like let your rep know about usually there's a shortcut that mm-hmm. you can like text to the thing so also if you really want to get in that big stamp energy <laughs> you'll buy a stamp and mail a letter to your representative yeah I've yeah. actually been exchanging uh like addresses with people on Instagram. So now I have like a list of people to write letters to. Yeah. I've actually been thinking about just writing like a letter to my mom or something like that. Just yeah. like, cause I think it would make her happy. So, <laughs> I mean, I just like suggest doing that with your stamps that you buy. Do we have anything else to say about the USPS? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Thanks for tuning in to Pacifically. Yeah. Yeah. We will have more shit to say later. And we just got an Instagram too with the zero followers on it. So yeah. if you want to um, check out our shit posts, some like shit posting, you can find us at um, Anarcho Pacifico. All one word. Yeah. And we'll link it where in the, you know, wherever the description goes. Different platforms, different yeah. description boxes. Yeah. The doobly do. Uh, thanks. All right. Later. Bye. Bye.